1: Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego. Welcome everybody. Welcome to the Pro America Report. Great to have you with us tonight. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got a lot to talk about. I, I have to tell you that we watching these uh, these reports across the country. Uh, we have some good news, right? We have some news. It's still a lot of suffering, but it looks like we're starting to understand the trajectory of this disease. And I have been mad and angry and fired up for about uh, about a week now at the president and the and the administration ask I want them to do a better job of telling us what is Going to happen, what's possible to happen. Uh, but so we're going to talk about that. And today's wink, today's what you need to know is all about that. So, first, go to edmartinlive.com, get the uh, email every morning. You'll get an email from me that will uh, give you an update on what's going on, some key articles, some key uh, segments of the show. Edmartinlive.com. You can also follow the show there, the radio show. My one hour radio program every day. Uh, it's called the Pro America Report. You can tune in on the Answersandiego.com or get it wherever you get a podcast. So, thank you for listening. Now, we, I, we have to talk about what you need to know. A uh, couple of things. One, Boris Johnson is sick near death. And people said, wow, he's 55 years old. He seems to be a pretty healthy guy. I have done some research. He's a smoker. Now, you say, well, there's a lot of smokers in the world. This disease is going to hit people that have these sort of comorbidities, they call them. And something like being a smoker in a disease that hits your lungs is going to be a problem. You'll notice, in contrast, Chris Cuomo is about the same age, 49 years old, uh, and he is a healthy guy. He's a health nut, I think, in terms of exercise and all. He doesn't have the same uh, reaction to the disease. Here's what we know on the disease, and I'm moving off that. I just want to say this for everybody that's listening. This disease will hit people in different ways. The reason why it hits older people is because older people tend to have a, a hits, hits older people worse tend to have a, a less uh, more complications in their immune system they've had other diseases they have uh, some some uh, you know weakened heart uh, weakened vessels whatever it is that's the part of the reason but anybody under the ages of 65 you have these comorbidities so here's the tip here's the tip get healthy Get healthy. This is a time for people to get healthy. Tomorrow on the show, or Thursday on the show, we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Hotze, Steve Hotze, who's a doctor. He has a wellness center, and I previewed with him a discussion. He basically said, get healthy. There's lots of ways to get healthy, but there's the number one thing is get healthy. It's a good time to quit smoking. It's a good time to quit some of the bad habits. It's a good time to exercise. All that's happening, a lot happening. Now, what you need to know is this. The hydroxy, uh, hydroxychloroquine is working. And it is working. It's working for people. And it's anecdotal. That's true. This Michigan uh, legislator yesterday, African-American woman, Democrat, who said she got on the hydroxychloroquine and it helped. And she thanked President Trump. At this point, we know it works. And at this point, we know we have to try. And here's what I want you to know. We're turning the corner now the social distancing helped the hydroxychloroquine helps some of the other therapeutics is helping the presence of ventilators and all these things helped we're still going to face a long haul of this disease but we're turning a corner we're sort of hitting a plateau it's still going to mean people are going to die and let me be clear people are going to die in the next six months it's going to go on for a year maybe 18 months But we're going to get out of this period, this period of sort of the great pause, and we're going to have to start back in on our economy. And here's what you need to know. It's our turn, we the people, to tell our leaders what we want. It's our turn to tell the leaders we want to go back to work, we want to go back to the economy, we're willing to adjust our lives to save some lives, but we're also willing to risk our lives and our health to go back to normal, uh, relatively normal. In other words, there's a lot of us, I think one of the things about this coronavirus is a lot of us are going to get the disease and, and some of us are going to get really sick, but almost all of us are going to get better. Almost all of us are going to get better. And what we have to do is be willing to take the chance to go back to work. We have to be willing to be part of the solution and we have to do that right now. Now, so what I'm saying is this, left to their own devices, the media is going to say the following thing. Trump is trying to get the economy going because he's worried about his reelection. That's what they'll say. It's very predictable. And what we have to say, we the people have to say is we've done our part and we will continue to, by the way, it's going to be another three or four or five weeks, but we can see when you can see the vision, when you can see the future coming, you can do anything. You can get used to anything. My brother, the Marine, who's back there, you see him up there. If you're watching on Periscope, my brother's uh, photograph from his commissioning ceremony is up behind me on my on my uh, behind my desk. He used to say in in only Marine Corps colorful language. And so I'm not going to quote it directly. He'd say you can learn to sit on your head in a bucket full of water, let's say, or uh, uh, whatever the phrase you'd be, the Marine could picture it. He said that's what you could do for. He said for six months. Any Marine can get used to sitting on your head in a bucket of stuff. And the point is, we all, as as Americans, we can get used to anything, but we need the vision. And we, the people, need to give this president the vision of what we want to happen, what we will tolerate, what we can support. I hate to say it, we almost need to give him cover, because the forces arrayed against him are ones that want to make it so they say about him, he's doing this for X, when in fact he's doing this for Y. They're going to say he's doing this for his re-election. We need to say he's doing this because we're ready. We're ready to go back to work. We're ready to spend the time adjusting our lives to flatten the curve, to shorten the the spread, to lessen things, to make sure that our hospitals aren't being swamped, to make sure that people can handle it. But we know there's a disease. We know we're going to have to get antibody testing. We know we're going to have to get 15-minute swab testing to tell who's sick. We know we're going to have to have a vaccine in 15 or 18 months, whatever it'll be. We know we're going to have to live with the disease, but we're willing to take the risk because we know that we gotta go forward. We know we have to go towards the fight, not away from it. We know that we have pulled back and we've sheltered and we've kind of done everything we can to lessen the burden and now we gotta go forward towards it. And that means that if you're 30, you need to go to work. If you're 66, you need to stay home. If you're 42 and you have diabetes and, and heart condition, you need to sit tight. We need to figure out how to go back to work and head back into our lives and figure it out. We're going to probably have you know, restaurants that have to adjust. I wouldn't be surprised if for the next three or four months we have tons of outdoor seating. Well, we're going to be lucky. We're going into the summer. Most of the country will have temperatures that will be warm enough that you can eat outside into the evening, right? And so we'll, and inside restaurants, we'll have tables far apart. We'll, we'll still maintain social distancing. We'll still do better about hygiene. My kids said the other day they've never washed their hands so much in their life. Well, that's not all bad, right? I, I heard a doctor say the other day that all this hand washing will help forever with the common cold and the common flu and everything else, right? We're just changing our mindset. But what you need to know, hydroxy is working. The path is working. What we're doing is working. But we need a vision. And for three or four days, I've been railing at the Trump administration others saying, where's the vision of what we can be, what we can do? And I realize it's up to us. It's not up to the government now. It is. Ultimately, the president and our governors and our mayors are going to make decisions. But we have to give cover. We have to put pressure. We have to explain ourselves. We have to be willing to say we'll take the risks. I'm willing to risk getting sick to go back to work. I'm not willing right now to make my parents go back to work because they would be much frailer, more frail. So we have to come up and we have to make it clear. We have to be talking about it, not like CNN. CNN is going to say, "Oh, President Trump wants to get the economy back because that's what he wants re-election." Or President Trump doesn't care about people dying. Or President Trump's administration—they want to use drugs that aren't totally proven because they don't trust. But well, what we're saying is, we're adults. We're adults. We're not kids. You know, when the, when those guys went to war in the greatest generation, they had to get on planes and get on ships and go into war when they were 18, 19, 20. They weren't kids anymore either. And we're not kids. American people, we're adults. We can handle it. We know the assessment. We're willing to be reasonable. We're willing to follow the lead of experts. We're not saying we disregard everything. We're saying give us a vision. Or actually what we're saying is we're going to give you a vision of what can be and we're going to go forward towards that so that we have over these next months a way to relate to the future there's you know but but for lack of vision my people shall perish in this time we know that we know that we need a vision that's what we got and what you need to know is yes it's true that hydroxy is working yes it's true it's true we're flattening the curve yes it's true that these are dark days and people are dying and it's serious i'm not putting any aside but we also know time marches on and as we go forward we need even more work and a better vision going forward into the future that's what we have to work on that's our job and in the coming weeks what we have to do is figure out how to say hey we know what a pro-America vision looks like. How it will give more opportunity for more people. How it will protect our elders, protect those who are uh, in in uh, in a particular vulnerable way. That's all stuff we can do, and we can do it together. All right, I'm going to take a quick break on the radio show on the Pro America Report. We'll be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest was referred to me by one of my friends who was at her church, and um, she uh, heard a, a man come there and preach, and then a few weeks later, he got sick with uh, coronavirus, I think. I think it was coronavirus, so we'll get the details from him. I, I saw one report that the test was negative, but he certainly had the symptoms, and then he was treated with the hydroxychloroquine, and uh, and he got better, and so anyway, I, I thought my, my the great thing is my friend said he was a great pastor and a great preacher, and so I thought. Well, we need that this week, especially. So uh, I would like to welcome right now to the program, uh, Pastor Kenny Baldwin. How are you, sir?
2: I am blessed by the best, and I'm so humbled and honored to be with you today.
1: Well, and thank you. And so you're, you are a, a pastor in Virginia, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and but you, you, you got sick down in uh, North Carolina. Is that right? Walk us through what happened to you and, and sort of uh, all the, the nuts and bolts you know, of, your, of, your, uh, of your health issue.
2: Well, I actually traveled to North Carolina along with my family to preach on Thursday and Friday, which would have been the 12th and 13th of March. And I preached on Thursday night and woke up Friday morning, and I wouldn't say necessarily sick, but I had a headache and wasn't feeling my best. So just to take precaution, I went to a clinic in the area, and they concluded that I did not exhibit enough of the symptoms to be tested, but they did test me negatively for flu and strep. And Uh the medical staff there told me I was fine to go preach that night, which I did with no problems after resting that day. And then my family and I headed back to Northern Virginia on Saturday, and then I preached at my church on Sunday, not feeling bad at all, feeling just fine, no fever or anything. And based hmm. on the recommendation of the governor on Sunday afternoon, we then canceled our evening service indefinitely. And then Sunday night, I, I couldn't sleep and had a headache and stayed up most of the night. Monday, I was not feeling the greatest. Tuesday, I went to my primary care doctor, had a fever. But again, they determined that it, they didn't think it was corona. They did not test and gave me a prescription for Motrin and something to help if I got a sore throat, sent me home. Tuesday night I ah. rested, and Wednesday morning I woke up feeling something in my chest. I got my wife, mind you, that i had been, I still separated from my family since Sunday night and stayed in a separate room just for precaution. Um, sure. But, you know, I, I never went to church in North Carolina or my church sick i wasn't i wasn't feeling bad but once that that happened that wednesday morning i woke up i felt something in my chest i told my wife i i think i need to go to the hospital so we went to the hospital here in northern virginia i know the fairfax and walked in and i spent some time in the back with an x-ray and with the doctors and they diagnosed me with pneumonia but determined that they felt they could send me home on an antibiotic and that the pneumonia would improve. But they cautioned me that if I began to feel worse at any time to come back to the hospital, I went back home and not long after I'd been home, I started getting chills and I was in pain and I was lethargic and my chest was tightening up and I was having shortness of breath. And my wife looked at me and said, are you, are you struggling to breathe? And I said, I don't really know. And she saw how lethargic and lacking of energy <laughs> I was. So she said, we're going back. We went back to Fairfax Hospital, checked back in. Upon checking in at the triage, my fever was 105. Wow. They immediately took me to the back, put me in a room, um, and and said, and chest x-ray again. And from what I've been told by the doctors, what typically takes two days to develop in the chest happened in my chest in a couple of hours. So huh. even if they did not know what the results of the test were, which they did, they did administer a test right then for COVID, they were determining to keep me and admit me because I was getting worse and worse. So they admitted me into the hospital on Wednesday evening. And at that point in time, I spent the next 10 days in Fairfax Hospital. It wasn't wow. long, just a couple of days before the test did come back positive. But my experience in the hospital was as worst of an, ex- as, as worst of an experience that, I, that I've ever gone through in my life.
1: Wow. And, and and by the way, let me say, we're talking to Pastor Kenny Baldwin in his church. If you want to check out his church, and he's got great resources there, it's OurCrossroads.org, OurCrossroads.org. I, uh, I was going through there earlier, uh, Pastor, and other than the fact that you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I thought I saw unbelievably <laughs> redeeming and wonderful things on that website. So, all right, but back to this illness. So now you got corona, 10 days in the hospital. Now, did did you, um, when you said, you know, and, and I, I'm i I'm really only, I don't mean it as a joke, you, you see a picture of you. You're not a you're, an, you're a strapping lad. You're not you're not an old man. You're not a you know a kind of a weak uh, fella. You know you're, you're healthy looking. You were laid out sick. Like I mean, you were laid out sick, and you were feeling worse than you've ever felt. Right?
2: I was averaging about 103 temperature for days. I could not eat. I had no appetite. They were trying to feed me. I Had no appetite. I ever, I couldn't hold anything down. Drinking. I developed diarrhea. I had a headache. I had chills. I had pains from head to toe. Um, I had to gasp between every word to try to talk. And mind you that all of this takes place in isolation. So I could not be with my family. My only outlet to my wife and family was FaceTime. I couldn't even see the faces of the doctors and nurses because they have to mask up and gown up. So intensely that if I were to see them on the street or in the doctor's office today, I wouldn't even recognize who they were. It was absolutely wow. miserable. I lost 25 pounds while I was in the hospital. I've met the doctors every morning and they literally told me and have since told me since I got out of the hospital that I was on the edge. I've heard you got lucky. I've heard it was a flip of a coin. I've heard huh. you fully expected you to get worse. I heard several times in the hospital when they would come in, I saw three sets of doctors each day. I saw the internist in the morning, I saw the pulmonologist, and I saw infectious disease. I had to end up going on oxygen. I could not sleep. They were giving me melatonin to try to get me sleeping. They were giving me Tylenol every four hours. I had blood work done. I had a shot in my stomach to prevent blood clots. My vitamin D went low. My vitamins, um, my zinc was low. My sugar went low. Um, everything was, uh, everything was declining. My x-rays got worse and they told me your next step is intubation on a ventilator downstairs at which, you know, there's 50% chance of survival. So it was, very, very severe, and I cried and, out. To and God
1: in, in the middle of this, days. besides, by the way, the coverage I see, which I'll put up, was uh, it's from the Christian dot com. It's a pretty wonderful article with uh, great quotes from you about how you went through it and what it did for your faith and all. And uh, I'll le- I'll leave that for there. Although it's worth reading, um, you know, you're 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 sort of pleading that with all you have and your family and your wife and children and all um, for a chance. But let me ask you this: the sort of um, the the pivot here. You ended up finally being, diag- uh, being given this hydroxychloroquine. When did that come into play?
2: Well, the interesting thing about it is, is I happened to be talking to my brother from the hospital room. And he uh-huh. said to me, you know, they're talking about introducing this malaria drug that may help. It yeah. just happened to be when my doctor, one of my doctors was in my room to see me for that day. And while he said it to me, I said, yeah, this malaria drug, the doctor said, oh, you're on it. So from what I understand, I was on it from the onset that I was there and took six days of it. They began at 200 milligrams. They went up to 400, went up to 600. And so I found out that they went at it almost immediately. And I'm beginning to learn because it was so severe that they implemented it with no hesitation.
1: Mm. Wow! And do those doctors do they did they tell you that they think it was a factor? I mean, I guess one way to say it is they thought you were somebody that could have gotten worse, and you stopped. I mean, it could be that that's just anecdotal. Maybe you were going to stop anyway. But do the doctors seem to think it was a factor?
2: What What the doctors have said to me is, we're we're trying it. I didn't get a chance to discuss in detail what they were giving. Uh-huh credit to I do know that they were it was getting worse and they were expecting it to get worse all I can say as a layperson who's not a medical professional is I went in there getting worse I was declining they had no answer as to what I would do one doctor said you're a man of faith so that's what you have to go on I got hydroxychloroquine right. I got better so I I don't have any other response but to be thankful for the drug and I can't, I can't help but wish that the accessibility to people who need it is provided because hey look, I can't, I can't give any scientific or medical evidence as to what it did. I just know where I was, how I was getting what I felt and what they were saying. And I got the medicine for six days and Eventually, I got better.
1: Pastor Kenny Baldwin, boy, I'd like to see you on Sunday. I might come over. I don't live that far away. I bet you'll preach something. You'll tear the roof, uh, the paint off the roof on this uh, Resurrection Sunday. So uh, congratulations on that, and thank you for taking the time to walk us through that. I also think uh, you'll have a special uh, you know, prayer uh, uh, ability for those that are suffering in this disease because you went through it with them. Uh, And so uh, God bless you for that, and uh, keep us informed. So thank you, and, and happy Easter to you, sir. Thank you, and may God bless you, too. Thank you, sir. All right, and I'll put it all up on social media. Pastor Kenny Baldwin, there's more on his website and some of these sources. Uh, Pretty special story, special guy. We'll take a quick break and come right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in just one moment. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here to Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Jeff Landry. He's General Jeff Landry to you, Attorney General, the 45th Attorney General of Louisiana. And uh, he was formerly in the uh, House of Representatives up in, uh, in the swamp. So he checked that out for a minute. But thankfully, he got out of town and went back turning on his living in Louisiana. And uh, he has a, a long career in uh, working in law enforcement and, uh, and in Louisiana and just a great uh, man of his state. Uh, welcome to the program, General Landry. How are you, sir?
0: Well, thank you. It's great, great to be with you. You know, when I'm listening to that introduction, I'm thinking, yeah, I went from Congress to going back to being a lawyer. I mean, both of them have real low approval ratings amongst the general public.
1: <laughs> yeah, but at least at least when you're back home in Louisiana, that people know he might be he might be on our side. When you get up here in that swamp, I don't know they get they get more nervous. But uh, General, let me ask you before we get to um, to this conversation because I saw this piece that ran I, I, the column I saw or the, the coverage I saw was in uh, CNBC on the state AGs getting together and uh, and focusing on Amazon and Facebook and and, and the idea of gouging. And you are right in my sweet spot because my wife has said about three times in the last four or five days. Amazon, you know, she's worried that Amazon's uh, not treating everybody fair during this corona- coronavirus period. But before I get to that, Louisiana's facing a tough time, and we watched this coronavirus come uh, across the country, pockets of hotspots, and Louisiana's kind of just in a little bit of a hotspot there. How's everything going there? What's your sense, and how are the people holding up? I mean,
0: look, we got our fingers crossed right now. We're starting to see some data that leads us to believe that maybe – uh, the cases are starting to level out uh, you know i, I don 't think we're out of the woods in any scheme of a uh, uh, at all but but certainly we're seeing some encouraging signs. I can tell you you know my high school all out and off to to all of our first line medical providers the doctors the nurses, and then our transportation folks the truckers the people who stock the grocery shelves for really you know stepping up in this effort because if 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 this is if, if it, if, in fact, the numbers do hold and we may be seeing some leveling off, it's really in large part due to the efforts that they have put together and people out there who have been respecting the social distancing guidelines that the president and governors are putting out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that's uh I think that's right. I mean I think part of it is just riding this out and uh and I'm well I'm glad to hear it. Uh I think there's like like you said, good signs. But one thing, you know, Attorneys General, and for those of our listeners that uh don't track it, you know, many of our listeners are in California and Javier Javier Becerra is the is the attorney general there and he just sues Trump all the time. It doesn't matter Trump has a bad hair day, he sues him. And but instead, you know, the attorneys general have a real powerful role. I used to tell people, because I was years ago as a nominee for Republican the Republican for Attorney General Missouri. You know, AGs stand in the gap between the people and the federal government. And it's a really important role. And that role allows them to be leaders where the federal government can't do it. In this case, uh, General, I, I saw this story that, um, that the, uh, a, couple, a different bipartisan group of AGs got together and said, hey, let's check on what Facebook and Amazon are doing in terms of gouging and what's happening. First of all, broadly speaking, you know, you must worry about the power of these big tech, right? Big tech companies in terms of how they impact the consumers in your state and all across the country, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, before, you know, this Chinese virus crisis, uh, you know, we, many AGs, actually on both sides of the aisle, were concerned about the size that the platforms have gotten and the, the, the type of market power that they were um Exhibiting and they had at their fingertips. You know, I've been very critical of Google in the advertising space in particular and testified before the FTC uh, on that issue. Um, you know, you know, during this crisis, we have done our best to try to ensure that the supply lines are open and that people aren't price gouging based upon this particular crisis. It's a little unique, and it's not like a, a natural disaster where you would see price gouging, where it's easy to measure, the price gouging, right? Because you know, if if you have a hurricane that hits Louisiana and gas goes to ten dollars, and in Texas it's a dollar, well, that's a you know, we evidently have a problem there. Uh, this is something that has impacted the entire nation, and of course, the supply chain has been affected as well. Uh, but you know, we 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 are doing our best to, to hold people accountable and ensuring that at these times, other people are not taking advantage of of, of the public.
1: We're talking with uh, Attorney General Jeff Landry of Louisiana, and in particular, talking about this: uh, the state AGs banding together and 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 pointing to uh, you know incidents of uh, of price gouging and uh, and how. What, what do you advise people to do if they see something? You know, is it is it the is it the best path to go um, to their local to their state AGs wherever they are? Is it local authorities? You know, how do you how do you how do you it point people the right direction, General?
0: Well, you know, that's a great question, because different states have different laws. What I would tell you is that I would send everybody to the National Center for Disaster Fraud, uh, which is kind of a clearinghouse. Right now, they've been, uh, they, they're standing up, and, and they've got people manning their phones uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can find them online as well. That's the National Center for Disaster Fraud. It's actually located right here in Louisiana at LSU's campus. And um, and they do a great job of ensuring that the case uh, is filtered right and goes to the proper agency that may have ju- the jurisdiction over uh, the issue that, that that folks may be ha- the consumer may be having.
1: That's good. I'll, I'll put that up on social media too. Um, okay. Now the, the one last thing is there's been a lot of coverage of the back and forth between, you know, the states and the, and the federal government. And I know, you know, the attorney general is sort of, sort of in the middle because he's as a chief law enforcement officer for a state, but also it's his own, it's your own entity. But, Talk to me about how this national crisis, you were in Congress, you saw some of the times where, you know, you would be saying, hey, wait a second, we don't want more federal government. Obamacare is a good example. We we want less. In this case, what's the balance? And, and you know, this with this covid uh, coronavirus, what's I, I, what are we learning about the balance of what states can do and what the federal government needs to do?
0: Well, I think the first thing is that people uh, are starting to realize that during crises like this, especially public health care crises that the authority kind of works bottom up right instead of top down and so that mayors have more more control over their citizens inside of their jurisdiction than maybe the governors have over those same particular citizens and it kind of works bottom up from a from a from an enforcement standpoint from a from a policy standpoint that, that's one thing number two you know I, I've had this conversation with a, a number of people because look when I left Congress I was ranked the third most conservative member of the U.S. House at that time. I'm a pretty conservative fellow by that measure uh, and uh, and have been throughout my time in, in politics and before I even got into politics as a business owner. And and there is a balance. I mean, if, if there's ever a time when we need government, right, when, when government is there as a useful tool, these are the types of times. I think the frustration that many conservatives have is that, you know, when we're not in a crisis, we just want the government out of our way and and of course you know some of the things that we're seeing uh is a fallout from COVID, from from the, this this pandemic is the fact that government gets in the way too much right uh that that maybe it, it slows the wheel of progress down and so i'm hoping that this 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 crisis one of the silver lives behind it is that people start to wake up they recognize where our supply chain comes from in this country where our weak spots are why we need to bring manufacturing back to america and uh And at the end of the day, why we need less government and not more.
1: Yeah, I think that's the conversation we gotta have uh going forward. And uh well listen, Attorney General Jeff Landry, thank you for coming on and we'll make sure to put everything up in the uh in the into the uh, uh on social media and thank you too. I, I recalled looking at my notes your own service in the army as a young man. Appreciate that and, and uh your service. So uh now you're a general, you know, you you were sergeant when you were in there, but now you're a general, attorney general at least. And uh we wish you all the best and we'll be praying for the people of uh of louisiana in this time and uh, we'll have you back on the show again thank you sir okay thank you all right we'll take a break and be right back it's ed martin right here on the pro america report be back in a minute ed martin and the pro america report on the answer san diego This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report,
0: a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: On the surface, it might seem unbelievable that the Brett Kavanaugh hearings generated far more public interest and protests than the impeachment of President Trump did. After all, impeachment has happened far fewer times than Supreme Court confirmations. But there are a few important reasons why things played out the way they did. First of all, remember that it was the media that drove President Nixon from office when he faced impeachment. Democrats were hoping for a repeat this time. But the liberal media's influence is gone now, thanks to President Trump. The media didn't get the chance to sensationalize impeachment with confrontations between protesters and senators in elevators. Protesters just weren't motivated enough to leave their mother's basements to go out and wreak havoc. The role of judicial supremacy might have been another reason why Brett Kavanaugh got more protesters than impeachment. Is the confirmation of one new justice to the nine-member Supreme Court really more important than an impeachment of the president? Many of the protesters apparently think so. And it's not unreasonable to assume this could be tied to the Supreme Court's tendency to overextend their power on issues like abortion, border security, LGBTQ, and the Second Amendment. The lack of interest in the impeachment may also be pinned on its futility. Without bipartisan support, there could never be the 67 votes required in the Senate to remove a president from office. There's no way anyone actually thought the Democrats could get the votes, even if every protester in the nation showed up. The whole thing was over before it began. Most working Americans have no interest in a parade of legal eggheads pontificating about whether an action by a president is, quote, an impeachable offense. If anything, the tiresome rants against President Trump demonstrated how broken Washington, D.C. is. It is clearer than ever that we need another election sweep by President Trump so he can complete the job he was sent there to do. President Trump has kept so many of his promises, but there are still promises left for him to keep. We need to fight on.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com.
1: Welcome back. Ed Martin here to Pro America Report. You know what? What I haven't done in a while is I haven't talked about the stock market. I know that sounds funny. Most people have been watching it down, down, down. Uh, Today was one of those days where it went up a bunch and then came back down. Uh, Look, let me just say this to you. And a lot of folks are watching their 401ks. A lot of people are watching just their uh, ownership in stocks. Remember, remember that I always said that there are four sort of factors within a sort of Trump index, right? I called it the Trump index. One of them is the stock market, which measures how big business is doing, you know? Big business, big Wall Street, that's what the stock market, It, it impacts you and me and others that have, you know, 401Ks and have some investments, but it's generally a measure of big business. The second one is consumer confidence. The third one is small business confidence. And the fourth one is unemployment. And you recall that I used to say you take all those four when they're in the right direction and you are in, you're going like gangbusters. And that's what we had. Well, obviously, unemployment numbers are way up, way up. Uh, and consumer confidence, I haven't seen a number. I don't know if they've done those surveys. I think they're quarterly. We'll see one. It'll probably take a huge hit. And same thing with uh, small business. Obviously, everything is in the wrong direction. However, what I would caution you about or the way to think about it is once we start to come back and we will, it's going to be. It's, I, I'm not one of these people that thinks, you know, we're going to come back in three weeks from now, we're going to have the stock market at 20, you know, up 20,000, up to 20,000 or, or, you know, I mean, 25,000 or 28,000 or any of that. I just don't think that's the way it's going to go. I think it's going to be a steady climb because the fundamentals are right. But one of the key ways to think about it is when things are going in the same in the right direction you you start to feel better and better. In other words, when you start to get, when we turn a corner and start to get unemployment going down again, that's going to have a big effect on people, how they feel about things. And that's going to have a big effect on consumer confidence and, and small business confidence and the market's the same way. So we want to see some prolonged direction. That's why today, I think the market went way up uh, 900 points, and then it gave it all back. Um, so it's still, we're still in a volatile, you know, we're still in a tough period. Uh, these couple of weeks, the president has said over and over again, are going to be particularly challenging. This is going to be a volatile time. But my point and open this up is look for the direction. Look for when things start to look even incrementally in the right direction. When you start to hear Cuomo say the numbers are are flattening. When you start to hear, and it's not true yet, Detroit say the numbers are flattening when you the places where they've had this extreme surge when they start to say hey the numbers are flattening or turning once you get directionally one day doesn't solve the problem one day doesn't solve the market it's going to be over time you see directionally progress usually smaller usually slowly but it will accelerate over time that's what you should look for i think that's true Generally, you know, it's true in general, but I think it's particularly true now in this time um, because the, the 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 short surges up and down based on social media or breaking news or something—they're just too hard to manage. You need to look over a period of days, the direction things are going, and you'll start to get a sense of when things are coming back. So, and and I think they are coming back. I think I think I think we're um, we're two in these two, tough two weeks. A lot happening. We're starting to see the glimmers of of sort of that we've spread, we've slowed the spread and flattened the curve. And I think we'll start to bear some fruit. Remember, two weeks from now is when it's going to get worse again in some cities in the south that are just showing some early exposure, right? This isn't going away in two weeks. It's going to spread more slowly and we're going to manage it better. And as we talked to earlier, Pastor Kenny Baldwin, uh, you know, uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine is going to be a factor. Other things will be factors in making it more manageable. Those are the realities. So take a look for that uh, directionally. The uh, the direction of things changing. So, all right, thank you as always to you for listening. Uh, don't forget to go to theanswersandiego.com. Go wherever you get a podcast iTunes, Google Play, edmartinlive.com to sign up. And if you go on Periscope every day, 315 East Coast time, you'll see me do the first part of the program on Periscope. Uh, feel free to join in there. And thank you as always to Noah, our fearless technical director, for all of his good work, and for Joanna and Ryan for helping book the program out of St. Louis, Missouri, the head of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. We will. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. Looking forward to it this Holy Week. Have a great day and talk to you tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.